Hello and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show, the show where American values are strengthened and a place for honest conversation. My name is Jonathan and today's show is huge, all right? So to start off with, I guess I will say I hope that your 4th of July was explosive and full of patriotism and a blast and that you got to spend a lot of time with your family. We all know some uh, liberals who are not happy about it. But we'll get to more on that later. First, if you follow me on Instagram or on Twitter or you listen to the show like last year into early parts of this year, then you know that this is my first show back back since a short break. And I have never been more excited. So with that being said, I want to take a little bit of time to explain what happened, where we're at, and where we're going. Alright, so first things first is I had to take a bit of a hiatus because of where I was working on that I was in law enforcement there and that just the current climate was not allowing me to have this sort of podcast and still be able to take care of my family at the same time, right? So that is the reason for the break. During that break, my wife and I have made an awesome move to the Oklahoma area where we're now way closer to our families and cost of living is a little bit less. And so it's going to be a good time here. And I'm not in law enforcement here anymore. So it gives me a little bit more freedom to make these kind of shows and do what I'm actually really passionate about. So where is this show going to go? Well, we all know that I'm going to cover conservative news and media. But I want to take the show in a little bit of a different divergent direction, I guess you could say. I want the show to be a voice for young conservatives and a place where to help young conservatives grow. A community where we can discuss things like conservative principles and values and things that America was built upon. We can discuss founding documents and the thoughts and behind the Constitution and things like that to help strengthen the resolve of the conservative party. And furthermore, as the progressives continue to grow, our only chance is to help young conservatives continue to grow, especially as the conservative base continues to age, Right. As younger and younger people go into school, become indoctrinated in the left and the ideas that they're teaching in schools now, the older and older that conservative base gets. And so our only hope is to kind of infiltrate that and give conservative values a place to live. I want the show to grow kind of like into a community where conservatives thrive and we talk all manner of things, like I said, from cultures to politics to politics Because ultimately taking back, like I said, the culture will help us turn the tides for the future. Alright, so today's show, we're going to have three topics. We're going to look at the left's response to Independence Day, which we would all think would be, like, unanimous across the board against, like, for all Americans, right? That we'd all have the exact same response, but we know that's not going to be true, right? We're going to look at how both people on both sides of the aisle complain, but no one seems to really do anything about it. And finally, I think given that Biden's released his infrastructure plan and the ridiculous $1.9 trillion bill that he wants to propose, I think it'd be a good time to evaluate fiscal responsibility, what it means, and how we can kind of make sure that it's happening again. Also, make sure that you stick around at the very end of the show. I have a big announcement on something that is going to be new to the show, and I'm actually really excited for it. So stick around. I can't wait to share that with you. All right, so the first one we're going to get into is is July 4th. So today's 
one day afterwards and we've seen a plethora of things come through, right? You've seen, for the most part, Republicans, super patriotic, super happy that July 4th is still celebrating, that we have the opportunity to celebrate, and then you have the left that, well, according to them, it's a bad holiday and that we're all white racist because we celebrate it. So in an essay published in, um, on Friday in The Nation, accuses Americans of celebrating the 4th of July, failed to reckon with the fact that the founding, the founders of our nation were colonizers. Okay, so let's just look at that for a second and think of history. Every large nation has colonized other parts of the world from the dawn of time. It's just, it's just the way the human nature is. And it's just, your country, America would not be here today if we didn't colonize. Just as England wouldn't be where England was if they didn't colonize. Back in the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire would not have spread if they wouldn't have colonized. So to say that you can't celebrate the 4th of July because the founding fathers were colonizers, well, you wouldn't be celebrating anything. That makes zero, absolutely zero sense. Further, this land was founded and then conquered through settlers that would then become Americans and buy their bloods. So we have an essay that's being circulated saying that the 4th of July is just celebrated because we colonized and killed everybody. Well, no, that's that's not what the 4th of July celebrates. The 4th of July celebrates our independence from the English and from Britain, right? It, it marks that separation of our independence, not our colonization of Native Americans. So what the essay asserts is incorrect. You then have Representative Cory Bush saying some really stupid stuff, right? According to the, her, the um, 4th of July is only for white people. That black people still aren't free in America. Oh, and of course, that it was celebrated on stolen land. We have that one again. These are the people, my fellow Americans, that you chose to represent you. Representative Cori Bush did not buy her way into Congress. It is not... They were specifically voted by Americans. We voted for it. This is what we get, right? They just continue to fumigate the racial divide in America. Like, absolutely. They just continue. Because they recognize that if they can continue to divide America, they can continue to control Americans. That mantra that united we stand, divided we fall, is absolutely true. If they can come up with a reason to give themselves more power, that's what's going on right now. The more and more they do this, the more and more power they take away from the people and put to the government. I would ask Representative Cory Bush, please tell me how black Americans aren't free. Because I'm curious to know, I think the rest of the audience is, is very curious to know, please tell me what in America makes black people not free as you, they live in the freest nation in the world. They live in the freest country in the world. I, I just don't, I don't understand. So Representative Cory Bush, this is to you. Please tell me. All right. And then the last part of it is obviously, here we go with that whole like stolen land thing. The problem with their argument is that if you ask them if we stole it, they will say yes. If you ask them if they think that everyone should leave, they will say yes. If you then tell them that you'll buy them a plane ticket to any place that they want and they're going to go live there, they won't leave. I saw a meme over the weekend that actually like, like embodies this, I guess you could say, like completely. And it was, our country is so bad that even the haters, 
of the country refuse to leave. So our country is so terrible that the people that hate our country won't leave our country. Why? Because we live in the freest nation in the world. Like, that is saying something. You go to any place else, you have people in swarms trying to come to America because their countries are terrible and they're haters of their country. So they leave their country to try to find it better in America. But the people who hate America won't leave because they recognize that if they leave, they won't have the same rights that they have in America to talk all the crap about the country that they hate that they won't leave. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's absolutely great. You then have MSNBC saying that Americans are obsessed with freedom. Well, MSNBC, let me tell you, you're damn right we are. We absolutely are. I'm proud to be American, and every single American should be. America may not be perfect, right? But we're perfect in our imperfections, and we, the opportunities that we are afforded in America are not afforded to anybody else anywhere else in the world. So you're damn right. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to know that I'm free and I'm humbled and owe everything to the men and women that gave up their life for that freedom. So you're right. I hope every single one of you are. If you are, let me know down in the comments that you're proud to be an American and what's the number one thing you're proud of here in America. All right. You got NPR that states that the Declaration of Independence is a terrible document because at the time, it, America lacked women, women's rights and slavery was still legal. I hate this argument, guys. I, I've got to level with you all. I really, really do. And I think I hate it because the people who say it have absolutely no understanding of one, the historical time period that it was written in, and two, the Founding Fathers' intentions and why the Constitution was written the way that it is, right? So first of all, in order to evaluate a historical document, you have to evaluate it within the time period and what was going on in the time period for which that it was written. So sure, unfortunately, black people were slaves and they did not have rights. That is true. Well, the reason why is because at the time, the rights were afforded to humans and to people. Well, unfortunately, black people were not considered humans at the time. They were considered property. Same as women. Women were considered property. So they were not afforded those rights because you can't give rights to people if they're not actually considered people under the historical times, right? However, the Founding Fathers recognized, and for the majority of them, disliked slavery and were opposed to it. But remember, during the time the Constitution was written, the Federalist Papers were written, Declaration of Independence, our young country was trying to become established. And the Founding Fathers recognized that if they put in the Constitution that abolished slavery right away, that it would split the nation and our nation would not be formed. They recognized that. So what did they did? What did they do? They gave the amendment process. They gave the opportunity for government from 1776 all the way till the end of time for America to be able to amend the constitution to make changes that we deemed as a nation and as a citizenry needed to be changed. Right? The Declaration of Independence gave us that opportunity. Without that independence from England, we would never, ever have the opportunity to abolish slavery. We would never have had the opportunity for America to thrive the way that it is. And so the argument that the Declaration of Independence is a terrible document because women didn't have rights 
and slavery was still legal is just asinine. Absolutely asinine. But make sure we will take a deep, deep dive into the Constitution, into the Bill of Rights, into the Declaration of Independence, into the Federalist Papers, into like notes and letters written between founding fathers during the time that our country was being born. Later on, I think I'm going to start a series about that. Maybe like founding document series. So make sure that you follow the show so you can make sure that you're receiving those updates when that show goes live. And also that you get more America First and conservative content as we prepare young conservatives for the culture war ahead. So there is that. All right. USA Today wrote a story whose headlines say, Are you ambivalent about celebrating 4th of July? You're not alone. Oh, I'm not. Well, I think the majority of you are because the majority of Americans, like for instance here in in Oklahoma, I can tell you as I looked around, right, like coming into like where we live, there's a big hill. When you're on that big hill and you looked around, in every direction, you just saw fireworks lighting up the sky, right? So I think that it's pretty fair to say that the majority of Americans appreciate the 4th of July and recognize its significance. The media companies, I I just don't think that they realize that this is costing them viewers. I really don't. I really think that they are blinded by like this utopian idea of this perfect world and that everything needs to be their way, that they're actually losing viewers. That's why CNN, like last week, marked its lowest viewership in like, I think it was like a decade, right? And further just continues to foment the divide in America which is what our media has turned to. I guess if you can't make good product, just continue to divide America, and I guess you'll get some followers that way. But that is what they want, right? Absolutely. And then I would be remiss, guys, if I did not mention the hundreds of thousands of virtuously signaling tweets saying how America is such a terrible place in this, like, just... I I, I literally find myself lost for words from sometimes on just how ignorant people can be about the 4th of July. Like, no other country in the world do you see its citizens upset that they gained their independence. But, of course, for those virtue signalers on Twitter who probably still lit off fireworks and probably still barbecued and drank beer last night or had their day off work today on Monday, it's a terrible, terrible place. And that brings me to my second thing about complaining, right? Like, I think we can both agree that there is complaining that happens all the time in the political world of America. But there's one thing that really, really irks me. And this is going to get me kind of like... It was pretty much the driving factor behind the reason that I took the podcast the way that I did. Is that there are so many people complaining about what's going on in America. But nobody doing it. Especially from the right. And yes, guys, I'm calling us out. Alright? I have to be honest. We complain that the left does this. We complain that radicals do this. We complain that BLM, defund the police, Antifa, all of this is happening. But what are we doing to stop it? What are we doing to win back that culture war? What are we doing to elect our representatives in Congress? What are we doing, right? For the vast majority, except for like a few like Turning Point USA, Daily Wire, Breitbart, PragerU, the rest of the party is pretty stagnant. Like we are pretty just not doing any, a bunch of anything and we need to change that for far too long con, con, I'm sorry for far too long conservatives have, have had the mindset that we're just going to sit back and be the silent majority 
Well, that way no longer works, my friends. It no longer works. The left is loud and oppressive. And if we're going to gain control of the institutions in America, then we have to get loud as well. We have to start electing our representatives into Congress. Like, the midterm elections are huge for us, guys. You, we, That is what I'm trying to get at. Is we have to influence young conservatives, get a younger voting base, and then vote the people in that are going to do what's right for America and not have special interest groups, right? Socialism, socialized medicine, all the things, I'm just going to say all the things that our country was not born upon. It's us, it's up to us to elect those. So we got to get active and we have to get involved in what's going on. We have to remind Americans why conservative conservative policy works and why it is best for a nation. Especially in times like this, when times are hard, conservative policy is the best policy. Especially when we have things like the radical left, the LGBT, BLM, Antifa, all those organizations and communities that are pushing for radical change that cuts against our country's values. The only way to change it is to begin teaching our kids conservative principles and patriotic values. Kids no longer stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Hell, it's not even taught in school anymore. Like, people... I remember when I was going to school, growing up in elementary school, every single day we stood up, said the Pledge of Allegiance, right? And then I went to a Catholic school, then we prayed, and then we began class, right? I don't even think like American flags are flown on public schools anymore. Especially, probably especially in California where you have the pride flag being raised on top of the Capitol building. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. You then have the likes of like Gwen Berry, who completely disrespected the flag on the world stage, which I have a uh, petition going. I think, um, hey guys, you all should go sign that one. 100%. It's on my Facebook. It's in my Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes, guys. Go sign that. We need, we should not allow people that disrespect America to represent Americans. I, that's, I just don't understand how the Olympic Committee is not saying anything and how there's not an outrage from the American people. I found this quote too by Roger Scruton. Very, very like fascinating. Here it is. It says, Conservatism is about freedom, yes. But it is also about the institutions and attitudes that shape the responsible citizen and ensure that freedom is a benefit to us all. Conservatism is therefore also about the limits to freedom. So let's take a dive into that real quick, right? One, it's 100% true. And two, it's 100% interesting. So being a conservative is to be free, right? That's That makes sense. Like as conservatives, we believe in freedom. And to be conservative is to understand that ideas and institutions build responsible humans. So those institutions and ideas build those responsible humans. Those responsible humans then create responsible laws. Those laws are then enforced, which limit others' freedoms so that everybody else can enjoy and experience freedom. Freedom. Unfortunately, right now those ideas and institutions that would build those responsible citizens are tainted. And that right there is how we get back to where we need to be, guys. Right? So conservative values, conservative conservative institutions, build conservative humans and responsible humans who then create responsible laws that allow all of us to experience freedom. The sooner we recognize this, the sooner all the crazy in America will come to a grinding stop. 
And speaking of crazy, I wanted to mention Biden's infrastructure bill and how absolutely outrageous it is. How it'll increase the federal budget by almost $150 billion a year for the next eight years. Think about that. If you have a 10-year-old right now, right? In eight years, they're still going to be paying. Their taxes are going to be paying for the debt that the Biden administration did in 2021. Eight years at $150 billion. Like, this, there's no reason we need to be blowing up federal budget. But that leads us to our final topic today, guys. And that's going to be fiscal responsibility. Something I am very, very passionate about. Something I believe in. And something that our government has completely, just absolutely lost sight of. Like, absolutely. They they kicked it down the road, picked it up, burned it, threw it in the garbage can, got rid of it, right? Back in World War II, we blew out the federal budget. Why? Because the world was at war. Literally, the world was at war, and we needed to help support the military to help stop the spread of communism and the Third Reich, right? Infrastructure is not a reason that we need to be blowing out our federal budget. For the most part, our country does not need infrastructure. I think that a lot of people forget that roads, unless it's interstates, are a state's responsibility, not the federal government's responsibility. So that leads us to the question, is infrastructure something that we should be blowing the top off the budget for? Absolutely not, right? But it brings us to that larger problem that I mentioned, the fiscal responsibility of our federal government. The fiscal responsibility by nature is a conservative value. And if you were to sum it up like to something that's maybe a little bit easier to understand, I would say taxation without representation, right? And that the government cannot spend more than we make and that we need the government needs to be responsible for that. That's probably the easiest. Now, obviously, there's deeper parts of fiscal responsibility, like where the money is going and how it's being spent. But for the most part, the broad spectrum of it is taxation without representation. And, hey, uh, Congress, you guys are the coin house. Don't spend more money than we make. Come on. But our government is doing both. They are taxing, and if Biden has his way, will increase taxes exorbitantly with money going to things like infrastructure, I put that in quotes, right? And then God knows what special interest groups. Then, as we all know, America is in debt, and we've been in debt for years now, right? And that our government's budget, starting with Bush, rose to about $4 trillion annually. Biden wants to raise that 50% with his fiscal policy to $6 trillion a year if he gets his full $1.9 trillion infrastructure bill. To put that in perspective, in 2020, our total revenue, our total national revenue was $3.42 trillion. So doing that math, Biden would plan to increase to a 50% deficit in 2021. That is absolutely ridiculous. Meaning that this year we would incur another $3 trillion in debt. Where does that money come from, guys? Well, I'll tell you. It comes from our tax dollars. And uh, for what? Where is the representation in that? 
Well, I'll tell you. Special interest groups, social networks, infrastructure, social reform, things like that. Like social justice projects. It is time that we hold the politicians accountable for how much money that they spend. We cannot allow them to continue to blow up the budget and our tax dollars for no reason. <coughs> Excuse me. So on August 26, 1792, Thomas Jefferson wrote an opinion on fis- fiscal policy. This one was specifically aimed towards the debt that we were purchasing from France. But in the last paragraph, Jefferson says something. Something that, in my opinion, should still be followed and would help us tremendously. He says that no loan should be opened until the other one is closed. And that it should be limited to $1 million. Now, obviously, with inflation, that $1 million can be increased. Because things cost significantly more today than they did in 1792. But what Jefferson is alluding to is that we should not take any unnecessary debt or other debt until a country, until our country has paid off the first debt. That we should be responsible in the debt that we do incur and that it should be accounted for. But we're not doing that. We're just, you know what? Oh, here's America's tax money. Yeah, let's just keep, keep piling on that debt. For no reason. It seems as though some people in the in Congress still believed and still do believe in what Jefferson's saying. Or at least tried to, to have some for like some sort of fiscal responsibility. But for the most part, Congress has just foregone that entire thing. Like they just don't care anymore. And the reason why I said some still do is because Republicans tried to reduce the debt back in 1994. With the introducing of the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 1994, which aimed at limiting government involvement in programs in an attempt to cut back on spending. However, in March of 1994, when the bill was introduced, the House was still held by Democrats until November of that year. And this bill did not get a vote and did not get enough votes to pass in the House. In 2007, another bill was introduced by Republican Representative Nathan Deal from Georgia. This um, act named the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2007. I wonder if maybe if we changed the name and made it something a little bit less noticeable if uh, the Democrats would actually pass it. Maybe if we named it like Taking All the People's Money Act of 2007 and then just caused it to give money back and cut down federal spending if they had actually passed the bill. But anyway, in 2007, the proposed bill had that for every year, or the year following, <coughs> the, from the fiscal year following, where Congress failed to meet the budget, or where Congress had a deficit, congressional members' pay would decrease, right? So pretty much, congressional members' pay would decrease for the year following a federal deficit. Well, yeah, this is where things get really interesting. I think it's really funny really jacked up and when I said back in the beginning that we need to hold our politicians accountable this is why so they introduced that right and we all know God we all knew and I don't even have to tell you guys that you all know that it did not pass there is no damn way in hell that Congress is going to vote to limit their own money why because they just have no it's just ridiculous but it did even more like it went even farther than just not passing so I did some research on congress.gov 
and the bill was introduced and sent to committee. But nothing happened after that. The committee didn't strike it down. It was never brought to the floor for a vote. Nothing. It just died. And the tracker doesn't even say where it died because the tracker in congress.gov says that it was introduced. Not that it died, not nothing. It just it just somehow went away. It was been in, introduced almost 14 years ago. And it's just still being introduced. They're still trying to figure it out, I guess. Like, who would have thought? Who would have thought? But that people, that is why we have to start teaching fiscal responsibility. We have to start holding them to it. We have to make sure that the people that we elect into Congress are going to have our best intentions in mind and not just let some bill from 2007 sin introduced that actually probably would have held the, held them accountable for how much money they actually spend. Like, <laughs> so along with fiscal responsibility, we have to start teaching those conservative principles like I was talking to you about. Like, that just has to happen. I just, I don't understand where how we got to where we are in a lot of things. Well, I do. I do understand, actually. It's just crazy that us as the Republican Party we let it get this far. And so it's on us. It's on us for not getting the right people in office. It's for us for not promoting values. It's on us for remaining quiet. And we have to get back to, like I said, at the very, very beginning, electing our representatives to Congress that are going to do what we need and what is best for America. So at the very beginning of the show, I also said that I got some big, big news today that I'm actually really excited to uh, talk about. I am going to start interviewing people and I'm not sure how often it's going to come. I have two interviews lined up. Well, one interview lined up. It's the interview. I'm going to interview on the 10th on a Saturday and it'll air that following Tuesday. And the gentleman's name is Daniel and he's the author of a book on millennial politics. And him and I, we agree on some things. We disagree on some things. He's conservative on some values and then liberal on others. And it's going to be a great conversation. I'm going to talk to him about his book. I'm going to talk to him about how his shift in politics happened and where he plans to go from now and what it means to be a millennial in the current political world. So make sure that you follow. If you like this episode and have a young American, show them the show, put them on to it. If you are a more, how do I put this, seasoned conservative, and want a place for honest conversation and conservative, like a conservative voice across the media, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, leave me a comment down below about what you think, what you think about fiscal responsibility, what you think about the left, just disregard for the 4th of July, I don't even know how to put it anymore, leave me a review guys, I'd, I'd love to hear about it, I want to make the show better, so leave me those. Like I said, we got that interview. The next interview after that is going to be with an editor-in-chief of an investigative journalist like media company. So stick around for that. I don't have a date that I'm going to interview him yet. We're trying to juggle our schedules together. So make sure that you stick around and follow for that. I will be posting all that on my Instagram and my Twitter. If you don't follow it, you can find me there at TCVS1776. Again, that's TCVS1776. Or on Facebook at The Conservative Voice Show. Thank you all for watching the show, and I'll see you back here on Thursday where we're, we're going to evaluate and compare major Democrat cities against major Republican-led cities and the differences in policies and the differences in outcomes and just compare and see why things are different in states like Florida, 
compared to states like California and what the major differences are. So thank you all guys for showing up and God bless. Thank you.